you're about to hear a Talking About Radio minicast. Your host, John Leslie, will spend the next few minutes opening an interesting file from his five decades of radio experiences. Hi, everybody. I have been thinking about doing this minicast now for pretty close to four months, and I've been putting it off because it's complicated and it's almost uh, too hard to believe, but it actually happened and it happened to me and it happened in the late 80s and uh, I was about 42 years old at the time. I was working for Stoner Broadcasting located in uh, the station that I was working for uh, doing the morning show was located in Binghamton, New York. And uh, I had a special assignment. I, I was transferred. I was on loan from the programming department over to the international news department. During that time back in the late 80s and early 90s, when Mikhail Gorbachev was the general secretary of the Soviet Union, and he was um, trying to open up the society. There was a program he had called Glasnost, which was new openness, and Perestroika, which meant uh, reconstruction. And they were opening up the uh, heretofore closed Soviet Union to outside visitors, to outside businesses, to the outside economy, and they were trying their very best to um, destroy the communist system and move over to a more democratic system. The reason that I was there was because I had been selected by Tom Stoner, the chairman of Stoner Broadcasting, to be Stoner's representative uh, in this new openness in the Soviet Union. And as a result of that, I traveled quite extensively for a number of years through the, at that time, there were 15 republics of the Soviet Union. This particular story, we had uh, we had been to Siberia, Novosibirsk, Siberia, and then flew directly from there to Yerevan, Armenia. And there, there were, uh, my, myself, my producer, there were four in the group, myself, my producer, and two dignitaries from the uh, Soviet National Radio and TV System, a fellow by the name of Gennady Gasparian, who was an uh, Armenian national, but worked his entire adult life in Moscow with the Soviet National Radio and TV System, and Yevgeny Pavlov, who was a, at that time the host of the Soviet National Youth Radio Channel. So there were the four of us. We had flown from Siberia. We're now down in Yerevan, Armenia, and we were doing various features on various things there. And uh, what we did there was not part of this story. It was the getting home part that uh, makes up this minicast. The The particular night that we were to leave Yarvan, Armenia, we were to fly from there north to Moscow, to the regional airport in Moscow, and I was due back in New York the following day. So it would have been Yerevan, Moscow, transfer from the regional airport to the international airport, which was called, uh, the name of it is Sheremetyeva, 
and then fly from there on Pan Am back to New York City. And this was all to happen in one quick cycle, Yerevan, Moscow, New York. So we, the four of us arrived at the airport in Yerevan to fly up to, uh, to Moscow. And the airport was just jammed with people. They were everywhere. They were laying on on all of the heaters. They were laying on the floor. They were laying on the stairs. There was a mezzanine or a balcony kind of place up there. And um, they were there. And my Armenian colleague, Gennady Gasparian, went to the counter and said, you know, we have a flight at whatever time it was, 11 o'clock. It was at night. It was in later. And he said, we have a flight to Moscow. And the guy said, the the ticket agent there said in Armenian, um, you see these people, all these people here? See all of these up over there and over there and over there? They've been here two or three days waiting for a flight back to Moscow. And uh, the reason that there was a problem was, and this was not a a very well-known border war, but there was a real border war between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And all of the jet fuel that came down to Armenia had to come through Azerbaijan to get there. And the Aussies were taking the jet fuel, so none of it was getting to Armenia. And so they had a real shortage of jet fuel. So, you know, if if we miss this flight or can't get to Moscow, then I can't get that Pan Am flight back to New York. And I'm supposed to be back in New York for a meeting with Stoner Broadcasting about this adventure and bring news back to them about what we did. I had already been gone 10 days, uh, maybe two weeks, and it was time for me to get back home, very honestly. So here we are. All these people are there. They're waiting for a flight. Who are we? You know? And so my colleagues said, all right, you guys go back, my producer and me, you, there's a room back here. There's a a room for dignitaries. Uh, you go sit in there and we'll do our best to, um, see what we can work out. So we're sitting in there not very long. Uh, I, I don't think we were there a half hour or 45 minutes when our colleagues from Moscow, the two guys that were with us, Evgeny and Gennady, came in and said, okay, we're going, there's a flight leaving uh, in a half hour, and we're on it. Um, They apparently pulled strings, told them they were big shots from uh, the Kremlin, and so they they pulled the strings, and they said, all right, come on, quick, out this, go out this back door, and there's a van back here. We're going to get in this van, and the airplane is way over there. There's no jetway. It's not up at the terminal. It's a big, wide-body Aleutian Russian jet, Aeroflot. And they said, we're going to go in this van and go over there and get on that airplane. So we go out back, and there's this van sitting there, and there are bullet holes in the windshield of this van. And they shove us in the van, and off we go to this airplane that's way out there. And so we pull up, and, and they opened the side door of the van and said, okay, let's go. And then at that moment, we heard the sound of an angry mob coming. And we looked over, and here's this big crowd of people 
from inside the terminal, word had spread inside the terminal that these Americans were getting preferential treatment over them who had been there for four or five days. So as we get out of the van, the crowd gets there. They push us back in the van. They said, get back in. And the crowd gathered between us and the airplane. And right then, a um, soldier uh, stepped out of the airplane, up, up the steps, up at the top of the steps. I think it was a Red Army soldier, I think. But in any event, he had a machine gun. He didn't shoot. Nobody got shot. But he stepped out. And he yelled in Russian, and the crowd separated. And they took us out of the van and were then taking us through the crowd up to the airplane. And the crowd uh, pushed in on us, you know, hitting us with their chests and their shoulders and grumbling in Armenian and Russian. And in the meantime, there's soldiers up there with that machine gun, you know. And I'm thinking, if he shoots, he's going to shoot me too, you know. And uh, that didn't happen. We got on the airplane, the four of us, my producer, myself, Gennady and Yevgeny. And when we got on the airplane, we didn't get into the cabin, the passenger cabin. We got in the luggage bay. And here's all of the luggage. Our luggage had been taken out there and was on that airplane. And there was all of this other luggage was filled up. It was strapped in like in big nets. You know, it wasn't locked in. But anyhow, they, they took us upstairs, this wide-body Aleutian airplane, and they escorted us up to the very front row, right behind the flight deck, the very first row, and they put us in the middle. There were five or six seats. If you're familiar with wide-bodied airplanes, there's, you know, two or three seats on the right, two or three seats on the left, and then four or five seats in the middle. So we're up at the very beginning right up at the very front row and uh, people are getting on and they're, and they're getting on and I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I look back and the plane is filling up and there are more people getting on and they're carrying luggage. And pretty soon the people started putting their luggage in the opening area for the emergency exit door, stacking luggage up to like the ceiling and then they they went up more people went up and they put their luggage up in the galley where they cook the food or serve you know get ready to serve the the food for the flight and i'm thinking man what what's going on here well finally the plane is full every seat is occupied and there are people standing in the aisleways like on the subway now, the overhead compartments are not the kind we're used to that snap closed. The, you know, the uh, whatever they're made out of, fiberglass or whatever, but they snap closed. These were nets. Uh, the, the, it was a shelf up there with nets. And so people were putting their stuff up, uh, up there. And the plane is just jammed full. So now it's time to take off. And he started down the runway, and we went and went and went and went forever. And finally, when that plane, when those wheels lifted off the ground, the airplane shook violently like it was going to fall apart. In fact, the table, uh, 
the you know the fold down table that you eat off of mine fell off of the wall because it was up on the bulkhead right in front we were in that front row mine fell off and the stuff that was up in those nets up overhead the overhead bins all of that stuff started falling down and flying all and the plane is shaking well i i think what had happened and people have told me that that was a sign of uh that it was ready to stall uh anyhow we got up in the air we had about a five or six hour flight back to moscow and everything was going okay and now we're on our way to moscow and we get up there and it's now sunrise in in this regional airport and we had arranged to have a driver pick us up at the airport to take us over to Sheremetyevo to the international airport to catch our flight back to new york because we had to get our luggage and then get going so we land and they don't land by the terminal they land way out of here and a bus came out and and or buses and the, the flight attendants came over and said stay here do not get off now because all of these people have not forgotten that you got preferential treatment so we want you to stay here until the airplane is empty and then we'll send a bus out to get you, the four of you. So everybody gets off. It's cold. It's icy out there. Everybody gets off and they go to the terminal. And pretty soon I hear the engines wind down and shut off. And then I look up because we're right out, right up front, front row. Here comes the flight crew, the captain, the flight, uh, the navigator, all of the people who had been in the cockpit and flew the airplane came out. They all had 45s stuck in their belt. Picture it. These guys in these white pilot suits, uniforms with guns stuck in their belt and they get off. And then the lights go off and we're sitting in this airplane, lights off, no heat, know nothing, and we're thinking, they have forgotten us. This is really it. This is really bad. And so we sat there wondering, now what the hell are we going to do? Well, soon we looked over, and here comes a bus from the terminal. And it came out, came to the airplane. They opened the door. Out we went. We got in the bus. We went back to the terminal. It was so long a time that all of the people who had been on the airplane were not, they all now had their luggage and they were gone. Our driver had waited for us thinking that we weren't on that airplane. He left. So we get up there and we say, well, where's our luggage? And they said, well, we separated your luggage from all of the others and it's behind the counter. It's in the room where we sort luggage. You've got to go in there yourself and get it. So we stepped through, you know, where those scales, where you go up, put your luggage on the scales at the ticket counter. So we walked through, stepped over that, went into the back room, got our luggage. And in the meantime, there were no cell phones in those days. In the meantime, uh, Gennady, our, the Armenian fellow who was with us from the Soviet radio system, he called and got a hold of another driver who now had to drive all the way out to the airport, 
pick us up and take us completely across Moscow from one end of the big city to the other. And there were no super highways. There were some four lane roads, but, uh, and so we got to the international airport, checked in. We got there just in time. Soon as we pulled into the airport, we saw that Pan Am airplane sitting there. It was at a jetway, you know, we could see it off in the distance. And then I just warmed up. I just, my heart soared as soon as I saw that Pan Am airplane. We went through, you got, you got to go through customs when you leave uh, the Soviet Union or Russia. And they checked our luggage, they checked everything, and they sent us off to the airplane like, you know, five minutes before they were going to close the door. And I'll tell you what, folks, I still may have been 8,000 miles away from home, but the instant my foot touched the inside of that Pan Am airplane, I was home. This has been a Talking About Radio minicast with John Leslie. If you have an interesting story to share, record an MP3 file and send it to talkingaboutradio at yahoo.com.